All right. We're here at the Ohioan, and I, I got to be transparent, guys. I don't uh, – I think I know technology. I think I'm good at technology. I'm not because we just got done recording eight minutes of the show, and it was it was humming. It was great. Probably the greatest eight minutes of podcast ever in the history of the world. And then I looked up at my screen and said, are you ready to go live? And I'm like, I am live, but apparently I wasn't. I didn't hit go live. So this is take two. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Brandon. And Craig, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing well. I thought I was doing good before I, I didn't understand technology. But, hey, we're, we're back. We're ready to go. At least I spotted a couple minutes into the show. Um, remember our our sponsor, Chase Bank. Um, you know, you want easier banking you can do online. Go with Chase. I go with Chase. It's great. Um, sign up for account. Use the link on the podcast that you're either listening or watching right now, sign up, attach a, a direct deposit to it. You get 200 bucks. It's that easy. Uh, so go of chase great service. And also Rachel Coyle. She was the co-founder of how things work at the Ohio state house. Um, we talked to her and um, it's our interview podcast that was released uh, earlier today. Um, and she talks about, Ohio and the statehouse protests that turned out to be not much of anything, as well as how the inauguration of Joe Biden, how's that going to impact Ohio politics? I mean, we have a Democratic president, we have a Republican governor, how are things going to work out? And then Monday, um, Tyler Buchanan, our buddy from Ohio Capitol Journal, he's going to talk about the inauguration and talk about Ohio politics too. And guys, Tyler's a young guy. But Tyler is incredibly smart on Ohio politics. you got to check it out. Uh, a lot of good information from Tyler about what's happening. And we have breaking news. I, I know if you guys saw last night, Joe Biden got uh, articles of impeachment thrown up against him. Uh, there's a Republican congresswoman from Georgia who already drafted articles of impeachment at the end of his first day of office. And we talked about how that is going to impact the Biden presidency. Um, just a clue in it won't happen. We're not going to have see a Biden impeachment. But it's funny how right now impeachment articles get drawn up after one day. You know, it doesn't matter anymore. So <laughs> crazy times. Um. So Brandon, so Brandon, Craig, you guys doing right today? Doing pretty well. I'm glad it's Friday. I am too. I am too. Well, well, Brandon, let's start today. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the unemployment issue in Ohio. Uh, it's been a problem. Uh, obviously, with the pandemic, employment goes up. Uh, the state computer system kind of stinks, to be honest with you. It hasn't been able to catch up. Um, this week at a press conference, Mike De DeWine revealed that somebody put a false claim out on him. And John Houston said, yeah, somebody put a false claim on me, too. And you were talking earlier about it, probably a little starkiness, which I agree. Uh, you know, probably trying to make a point and everything. But the system seems broke. There's uh, 796,000 claims that have been tagged as fraud. Um, Brandon, what can we do about this? Yeah, I would say um, that as far as uh, infrastructure on, on unemployment claims and other kind of programs, I mean, um, just, I don't know, maybe not enough investment in them. And also I would say that there's just maybe, it's just a convoluted process at this point because I think the process is made, made to be convoluted, one, to make it very difficult, you know, to apply for 
for such programs, for such relief anyway, partly to kind of say, well, if you really need it, you'll go through all this paperwork. I just feel like, um, excuse me, I think that the, um, that, um, you know, it's, you're going to probably, um, you, you, the focus should be more on, uh, on, um, not so much trying to make the system, trying to put in so many barriers or so many rules or re regulations on <clears throat> to these kind of programs that your people are going to find the holes or weak points to exploit. Um, if you just say like, if you try to broaden, broaden the base as much as possible in terms of what the relief looks like, you won't have as many people going, uh, trying to get, uh, trying to dupe the system, I think. Um, but also like, I mean, from personal experience, you know, I had a relative, for instance, trying to get on Medicaid, uh, can't get anyone on the phone kind of deal. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I think it's, the, these are, um, kind of, uh, issues throughout, um, um, throughout the country when it comes to this, this kind of, um, relationship between government programs and, uh, um, and, um, and its people. But I would say the pandemic courses have even probably further heightened these issues more so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Craig, we're coworkers at the same company. Um, we were good soldiers, uh, good teammates. Um, they, we had, what was it? Five weeks of, Oh, a furlough that we had to take. Um, but thankfully, uh, the company pointed us to the state to help us with unemployment for those five weeks that we were off. And, you know, the system's flawed. The, the computer system's slow. Um, I think back to when the, the healthcare system launched and they were having trouble with the website. Well, Ohio is having trouble with their unemployment website. Can't we spend more money on a website that works? Well, I mean, we have rainy day funds. I mean, I, I don't know if this is something that we could have done, you know, with um, CARES Act funding that, you know, governments received. You know, we obviously were never prepared for the flooding of the number of people throughout the year that have had to claim unemployment. But, yeah, it seems like we were ill prepared and it seems like, you know, almost a year later, we're still not really where we need to be, whether it's the phone lines or the Internet you know, the, the website, it just, it's frustrating. I mean, from, from people that I know have had frustrating experiences with, with getting these claims through, they've had in, you know, inability to get paid. And, you know, these are people that rely on this money to support their family or maybe buy groceries or whatever it may be, and they're not getting it. And yeah, eventually they do, but you know, getting a big lump sum at the end of six weeks or however long it may take doesn't help when you're, you know, struggling week to week to try to buy groceries and, you know, afford to pay for things. Well, and Brandon, it's not just a fraud, like criminals who are trying to take advantage of the system. I got to tell you, like I was working with another client uh, on a part-time basis when the furloughs first started. And I'll be honest, I was afraid that I wasn't intentionally defrauding the government but it was hard to figure out how to file that claim appropriately and how to make sure that you weren't getting my client in trouble or, or anyone else in trouble. And the customer service system wasn't available either. So I'm wondering if these fraud claims aren't just people trying to defraud, but people like me who without proper customer service is probably screwing up our claim. Yeah, I, I just don't think and i think that's just a reflection of a value um for years like we make it very hard to access 
program these kind of programs uh, just kind of like a high and mighty attitude probably but i would say that it's only that you brought up though about the um obamacare rollout though um a few years back and how the website had issues um i remember it's even further back it was like because there was the new york times column and they said put out a scathing um criticism of george bush's uh, administration uh, uh w bush's administration's um rollout of medicare part d saying oh it's this clunky this is a competency blah 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 and then like obamacare rollout came and then he's like oh it needs more time it needs to get the kinks rolled out and everyone's like <laughs> you hypocrite but um but i think the the, the the real takeaway from that is i think government is always kind of slow on implementation i mean they're they work with sort of like um a, a, di a kind of a different kind of revenue stream um and that revenue stream is kind of hacked and butchered all the time um so and that's of course then that's all very different kind of at the federal and state level too so those are the same kind of forces that are in play that probably lead to this kind of nonsense well i'll be honest with you it's not even just republicans or democrats it's there's a lot of companies i've worked with in the private sector that don't want to spend on it or, or they'll spend bare minimum on it and i think the government has that issue too where you sit there and say okay in the grand scheme of things is there better things to spend money on and you can make an argument for that but then on the other hand when things like you know healthcare rollouts or unemployment claims or everything, you need to spend top dollar. So in the government, it's not just a Republican or a Democrat problem. It's a problem of, I would say, with all companies, government or non-wise, people just aren't spending money on IT that they want to, and they kind of scratch their head when things go clunky. I, I guess that's my take on it. But then also, Craig, I'm wondering, you know, let's look at from the complete other end. You know, hey, the USA Today in this Columbus Dispatch story reported how there was a Nigerian engineering student um, was able to make $50,000 by filing fraudulent unemployment claims. Brandon, I mean, Craig, is it worth it? Well, I think it's, you know, it's, there's always going to be criminals, no matter what, you know, enterprise there is. And, you know, you might think it's kind of audacious to, to set up a, you know, thing for John Husted or the governor and it, you know, like brain is right. It's probably a snarky kind of, you know, tug at them. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, if you're desperate and you need to find money, you're going to, you're going to commit a crime. And more often than not, you're going to get caught for whatever crime you commit. And was it worth it? I mean, you know, if they got the money and were able to do what they wanted to do with it, then maybe it was, but you know, you just, it's hard to get into the mind of a criminal like that, but especially, you know, taking advantage of, of people and clogging up a system that was already clogged to begin with. And I'm sure everybody, no matter where you're at or where you're from, you've heard of all these situations. And I'm not sure of all the other states out there if they've had issues with, you know, a clogged process. But, you know, it's it's pretty audacious, but I'm not surprised because when there's exploitation to be had, there's usually people that step up and do that. Brandon, we're having a brief meeting after the podcast for marketing ideas. Should we consider filing fraudulent unemployment claims as an idea? Or should we take that off our to-do list? Yeah. <laughs> take <it off>. okay. <laughs> All right. Take that off the list, yeah. I, I have brainstorming. She's like, no, you're supposed to say yes. Let's, let's yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I wanted to make sure you were the one that was fingered so we can go back in the court case and say, remember, Brandon did talk about this on podcast and play that part, but you didn't fall for my trick. Crap. Oh, well.
So yeah, well, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I'm trying to. I'm hoping for the best. I mean, thankfully, I'm not in an unemployment stage or anything. But I think this the system needs to be better for everybody, I, especially now. I mean, the pandemic. There's a lot of people who are unemployed. Let's fix it, and yeah, let's spend more money on IT, government, Republicans, Democrats, and companies. You know, more communications dollars should be spent. That's why. That's why I say it should be great. Um, one to talk about this, and obviously there's a political bent to it, but irregardless, we're fighting a pandemic, and there's things that we're trying to do to, fit, to fight the pandemic. And President Biden, on his first day of office, uh, you know, talked a lot about COVID, and uh, he signed executive action yesterday, saying on flights, trains, and buses. We're going to mandate, um, you know, mask on those. And I don't know. I think it's a good idea. Brandon, what's your thought on this? No, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, sadly, um, we have like a neighbor in our in our neighborhood, block of our neighborhood who's um, struggling from COVID right now. It looks like the lung, lungs aren't doing so well right now. Probably so. It sounds like a really post-COVID recovery uh, if they can pull through. So. Um, you know, I think um, it's we're, we're not out of the woods yet. Vaccines are slowly coming out. Um, so definitely this 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 kind of mask mask requirement is overdue. Craig, I'm looking for this story because, you know, even though this seems like a common sense type thing, obviously it's politics and the fact that one uh, the new president has endorsed this. I'm sure there's people against it. Uh, you think there's going to be anybody upset with this plan? Oh, I'm sure there will be a fair share of people who are upset. I mean, I guess I'm a little naive to think that I was under the impression that most airplanes required mask wearing. I don't know about trains and buses, but my assumption was that most public transportation was, you know, having you wear a mask. But I guess if someone decided not to wear a mask, you know, I guess they could get kicked off. But um, yeah, I mean, this is this seems pretty common sense, but sometimes we lack a little common sense. So um, I'm glad that, you know, that it's there. And unfortunately, I guess we had to put a, you know, put it on paper to make it a reality, I, I guess. But, you know, hopefully we're nearing the goal line or whatever, you know, football reference Mike DeWine's made in the past. We're in the fourth quarter, whatever you want to call it. You know, we had the vaccine out. It's rolling out slowly. But I think as we've seen, not everybody's willing to get the vaccine, which means there's still going to be people at risk for getting COVID long after this vaccine has gotten down to the lowest level of the general public, whether that's, in you know, once the kid, you know, kids are able to get it or whatever, but young adults especially. So, you know, if you're at a 50% rate of, of vaccination, hopefully that's enough for the herd immunity and hopefully that's... Uh, enough to kind of drive this down to where we don't have to worry so much about it. But, you know, it's kind of sad that we have to have a, a mask mandate on flights, trains, and buses. I kind of figured that we already did, but maybe not. Well, I, I think a lot of um, places already say you should. Right. Uh, I know I, I was uh, taking the Columbus bus for a while, and they got to a place where they enforced it. But I think they were saying, look, it's enforced throughout. It's not your choice anymore. It's something that we want you guys to do. Right. Um, I think the big question for me, Brandon, about this is there's there's still questions about how will it be enforced. 
And I think it goes back to DeWine. I, I appreciate some of the moves that Governor DeWine's made about saying, hey, we need these mandates and everything else. But then there's nothing really definitive when they say, okay, what happens if you break it? Uh, do you think this can have a good enforcement? And, you know, the opponents of this is going to say, oh, martial law, police state, police state. But what about just a good fine if you break it? And I think that'll make it easier. Uh, you wouldn't have to have police involved. I mean, what do you think about enforcement? Uh, that'd be, that, that would be um, – it's always a good question. Um, sometimes I'm at the store myself in Ohio where I see some lady not wearing a mask. Or I mean, I don't – I'm just saying I, I remember seeing what last time I was at like a the home buys off of the west side here. There was just a lady not wearing a mask, and I, and I shake my head. But I was at an Aldi one time, and – and the guy not wearing a mask, and I and like he even went up to an Aldi employee who was wearing a mask, saying, you know, asking where the food was and or some grocery item. And I just keep thinking, why is there no one telling him he needs to wear a mask? Because I liked how Costco was very, you know, there was that viral video a long time back where a Costco employee said, "Sir, you can't shop here." You know, um, I think, and I've heard maybe it, every company has like some policy now about how to to whether enforce it or, or kind of not confront them about it, which is um, frustrating to say the least on that front. So if you're on a plane, who, who handles it? The flight attendant, the U S marshal, um, yeah. um, you know, or like, and then of course it becomes, um, 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 it will become a moment because someone's going to throw a tantrum. It's actually happened. I think there was like some sort of viral video oh, yeah. not too yeah. long ago of a woman, um, getting uh, escorted out by police for not wearing a mask. I'm not. I I, th I didn't really see that part of the video, but she wasn't wearing a mask. Everyone was. She was in the store and she was, or in the restaurant or some sort of coffee shop, and and um, that's so that was my assumption. But she really threw through that kind of, I'm you know, martial law kind of kind yeah. of. Not she didn't say it, but she was like, I am a citizen. I have rights. Um, <laughs> I don't not know. in those stores, don't you don't. So I mean. Well, and I think on the other hand, too, I mean, I got to be careful. We're watching a 14-year-old right now, uh, you know, kind of a foster situation. And you know, he has some social needs. He doesn't wear a mask. Not that he's an anti-masker. He just has trouble. I mean, he's not verbal and just kind of with his breathing and everything, he's having a hard time with a mask. Now, it's not an excuse. It's just kind of where he's at but i'll be honest that's restricted us and i'm not talking about planes that's restricted us about us going out inside places period because you know we understand his hard times with wearing a mask but we know that we don't want to put him in spots where he could get himself or us in trouble so yeah i think it's one of those things that you know, you know like craig you were saying it's just where your rights are at you know and yeah, you've got certain rights, but you don't want your rights to infringe upon other people's rights, and you have to make choices. If you don't want to wear a mask, there's some things you just can't and shouldn't do. Same thing. If you have a situation with a child or a family member that's having trouble with a mask, yeah, you can't just say, well, I, I can still go everywhere and do everything. No, what you do is restricted, you know? Well, no one, you know, you see these businesses that say no shirt, no shoes, no pants, whatever, no service. Right. Same thing with a mask. Just no shirt, no shoes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they come in without people, the pants. People yeah. assume that they have these like these God-given rights inside these private businesses. They don't, and it, I don't want to be so blunt about it, but you just don't. 
if 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 I go into Walmart one day and they say, well, we don't want you shopping here, I I can't really make a big fuss about it and you know sue them. They have the right to decline. Now they can't discriminate, but if you're not wearing a mask and their policy is that you need to wear a mask and they kick you out for not wearing a mask, they're within their right to do that. So I think people kind of, again, it goes back to this understanding of freedoms and First Amendment rights and, and people just not really understanding what they can and can't do. And I think they just assume that since, you know, Walmart's on the land that they can just do whatever they want. That's not the case. Well, and I like this too, because there's a travel analyst that quoted the USA Today story that said, Hey, I like this because it says, you know, he's talking about airplanes. He says, look, you have two choices. You comply or you don't fly. And maybe that's where the enforcement should come on because maybe finding's tough and you know you don't want to have the police state where we're arresting people and everything but you know if you're a business or if you're a service or organization yeah let's have these mandates in place and let's say look if somebody doesn't want to take part in it they don't participate in whatever that business is i think that probably makes the most sense and is less is the least amount of police state you have right I just think it would be challenging to whether it be find someone or arrest them because, you know, right now there are no laws saying that you have to wear a mask. They're mandates, but they're not laws. They're not passed through legislative branches. So, yeah, I think that's why there's there's this playing hot potato with what happens if you are violating these mask mandates. And, you know, people can go to court if they feel like they need to go to court if they get fined and fight these fines or fight this you know, arrest or whatever it may be. And odds are they'd probably win it just on the legal parameters of there really not being any legislation, especially in Ohio, that says that you have to wear a mask. Brandon, I don't want to judge other people on what choices they make or who they choose to date or anything, but we need a better term than mandate because I don't want to date men. So every time I hear mandate, I'm thinking about going on a date with a man. Is there a better term we could come up with this? Um, requirement. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not blaming Craig. I mean, you know, mandate was all over the story, but I'm like, come on, we need a better term for that. It's the term that they can use without saying it's a law because it's not a law. And that's, that's, that's been the biggest bugaboo this whole time is they can say mandate requirement, whatever, but unless it says it's the law, people can still not wear a mask and there's really no repercussions at this point. And, okay. you know, police I think that's a little misleading though, because I think the wording they used for the requirement that you had to get health insurance though, was called a mandate or it was under somehow the word mandate was involved in that. And cause yeah. that was a whole big stink during the Supreme court, Supreme court, um, uh, uh, case on that issue where, um, they were saying, "Oh, we're, we can do this over the mandate power, not the taxing power." Um, and the Supreme Court says, "Okay, this the requirement's legal, um, but it's not under the, uh, uh, but it's not constitutional under such and such mandate. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's another wording I'm thinking of, but um, 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 but it's legal under the taxing power. I think they've referred to it though as a mandate, maybe like the healthcare mandate to require health insurance." Um, I don't know, but, um, and of course this is just like a, um, um, yeah, it, I, that is a good point. Craig brings up whether this is actually, you are, can you legally, 
um, comply with this or not. Um, I would I would say you you would have to if it was done through an executive order or um, unless Congress or the Supreme Court overruled it. But um, um, as far as enforcing it, though, that's the real key. That's the crux of it all. I mean, you, we could Congress could pass out so many rules, or the mayor of Columbus could pass out so many rules. But if there's no one to really enforce it, it's just you might as well just um, have just get in the middle of the town center and you know say shout out these rules on through a megaphone, and no one's gonna be like, well, it's that's as because that's just as as effective. Well, um, and who, who mandates it? You know, I mean. Police don't want to do deal with it. They have plenty of plenty of other things to deal with. Health departments are busy as it is with contact tracing and other things. So you know, exactly. who do you who do you assign to mandate this? That's why I don't think we've made any traction on this for the last you know ten months because no one knows what to do. I'd say like I mean, other than the one thing you can they could do, of course, is hire hire people and you know, the health police, essentially. Um, <laughs> right. um, I mean, an airline can technically, though, one thing an airline, can, instead of a fine, maybe, is they would just tell their attendants, like, you know, you can't, we will not, we will not let you in if you're not wearing a mask. And if you do come in a mask and take it off, you're off and take it off. We're going to ask you uh, kindly to put your mask back on and you'll get a couple warnings. And at some point, if you don't comply, we're, that's okay. You're just banned from our airline. You're just, you know, you risk getting banned. In fact, if you're on a two-way round trip, sorry, that starts right after this flight that you will not be allowed to come back. Um, um, you'll get refunded on your other trip probably, but you'll have to find another airline to take you back home. And I think if you throw put that out there, I mean, you'll probably find more reluctant uh, compliance that way. I but, think it's easier to, yeah, I mean, I think it's easier to do that on planes and maybe buses and trains. But like you were saying earlier, Brandon, about, you know, being at the grocery store and seeing people not wear it, you know, people, people go in there, they have their mask down, they have no mask on. I've seen people that the rest of their family has mask on, kids included, spouse or whatever, and then they don't have a mask on. So, and, and again, I'm, you know, the, the governor's been pretty clear, you know, they're not going to make you everyone wear a mask, especially for health, you know, reasons. But it's probably easier to mandate stuff like that on planes and say, well, you're just not going to fly with us today. But then you get into like a Walmart or Target and you get people on cell phones pulled out and people start making scenes. And you've got these these workers that just the last thing they want to deal with is people coming in yelling and screaming about being told to leave a store. So, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, but it, it's probably easier to do that on a plane where you know, the, the idea is that they can refuse service, whereas people at Walmart don't assume that they can refuse service to you because you're shopping at Walmart. You know what I mean? So I think it might be harder to to tell a cashier or like some part-time worker, go tell that person to get out of here. You know, it's, it's probably easier when you're on a plane and you can have a number of, you know, higher ranking people go over and say, get out. You know, you can't fly with us today because I mean, you're... I mean, I Honestly, like, yeah, I mean, I don't think a, a, a salary, salary wage worker should um, handle that responsibility. Really, I mean, a company, what companies should be asked of, I don't know if required, but, you know, it's like, hey, you have to have a designated health compliance person here, like someone who enforces that mask mandate. And then, of course, and then someone who, who goes through the list like, okay, if you do not wear a mask today, um, you know, we'll have to ban you from the store. 
that particular store, restraining orders. I mean, throw out every legal tool at your disposal and say, you know, um, we're not going to kick you out today, but you, we're getting your photo right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, we do. You see those movies or shows like how we were so aggressive with shoplifters. I mean, oh, you shoplift. Get in front of the wall. We're taking your photo. We're plastering it up there. So if we see you come right. in, we're calling the cops. We have we have the order. I mean, we're we're stores are happy to be a little more aggressive on uh, shoplifters in that sense. Even though some they a lot of bigger of the bigger stores have uh, I guess more rules now not to engage with shoplifters right there and then. But um, um well, but you know, I, I'm always even looking at to the point. And, okay, and this is going to be so anti-American, but oh well, I'm going to say it. Where do we have the right? Okay, like I, I take my daughter to the mall. We walk around. We're not buying anything. We're walking around. It's little daddy daughter time. So <clears throat> we walk in the stores. We're not walking in the stores to buy anything. We're, we're just walking in the stores. And, you know, and we say, it's my right to walk in the store and everything. Well, what am I doing? How's that helping out the store? We're just walking around and we're just, you know, browsing everything. What if, if if I'm a store out there, and I'm a store, I'm a journalist, but if I'm a store out there, I would say, hey, if you want to come to my store, reserve some time. And then when you come into the store, instead of randos walking in, somebody's coming in, they're probably more motivated to buy. Yeah, you might not get as much foot traffic, but how many days do you get a ton of foot traffic and no one buys anything? And, you know, I, I know some business owners that you might say, well, they don't care because they just like greeting and seeing people. No, they're pretty ticked off. Where they'll say, all right, we had another 1,000 people come to my store, but we only sold 100 bucks all day. You know, they're like, oh, no, that's not good. Because if you start to do that, and you can't, <laughs> I use my least favorite term, mandate it, but you you can't mandate it. But, but then on the other hand, if you're doing that, now you have a more personal relationship with that customer. If that customer walks in without a mask on, you can say, hey, buddy, we really need to wear a mask and everything. So instead of having 100 people waltzing around your store and you're afraid of shoplifting and security and everything, you more regulate the customers to come in. I think it would be a more special experience for the customer, too. You've got appointment there. You're not just waltzing in and trying to find crap and bring it out. Now, I know you can't do that everywhere like Walmart's and everything, but if I had a specialty store, I would definitely do that. Yeah, but you don't want to not necessarily alienate your business, but you don't want to say – only 15 people can be in here when maybe 30 people want to go in the store at this at, at once. And what, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at at a bigger picture is <clears throat> people tend to buy more when they're at the store. Uh, that's why some people, there were some stories last year when, when click list and things like that at Kroger and pick up at, at Walmart, you know, people were taking advantage of it, but some people have also argued that when you do that, you tend to save more money as as a whole, because you're not in the grocery store walking past an aisle and all of a sudden saying, oh, I want this, you know, these cupcakes or I want these cookies or whatever. When you're ordering online, you tend to buy what you need. People want the foot traffic. Even if even if someone goes in with the intent not to buy something, they're going in that store for a reason. And, the, and there's more of a likelihood that they might buy, buy something if they're just walking in on a whim as opposed to, well, we'd only like you to schedule a time to come or, you know, we're going to limit who comes. And so I don't think businesses want to do that because they, they lose out on the opportunity to get more business. 
Well, the other thing I would say is, like, if you're a bigger business, like, Walmart couldn't do that because Walmart's such a big store and everything. But, like, a store like Walmart or any big, like, grocery stores or anything, just hire a security guard at the front who can nicely say, and it could be off-duty police guy or whatever the case might be, who can nicely say, hey, you need to wear a mask to come in. And that way you've got a security guard slash police guy, which is a lot better than just hiring some minimum wage you know, guy to try to argue with crazy people who want to come in without a mask. I don't know. It's probably not perfect. I've, I've seen at our Walmart in Sandusky, I've seen um, them hand out masks. Like I, I, we went right. one time and there was a group of, uh, of ladies with a child that did, you know, they'd never, none of them had masks coming into the, the little cart area and this woman by the carts who maybe was just cleaning the carts or whatever, or just monitoring said, do you guys have a mask or need a mask? And she passed him a mask. The, I guess the biggest problem then is yeah, everybody can take a mask and they can make people take a mask. But when they're walking around the store and they decide, no, this isn't for me, I'm just going to pull it down. I think that's where you get into the biggest problems. It's, I think they've gotten to the point now where they're able to funnel people and make sure they have masks going into the store but it's when they're in the store walking around getting groceries or whatever they're buying and they decide, yeah, I just want to pull my mask down. I think that's probably the biggest problem at this point. Well, and maybe that's the place where a mandate is needed. And, <clears throat> you know, getting back to the story again, uh, President Biden, we're just talking right now about trains, buses, um, planes. Audible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I won't watch that movie now. But, yeah. you know, but I guess what I'm saying is maybe we can expand it and maybe the penalty could be, you know, you penalize the business. You know, hey, if, if you don't have someone to door, uh, maybe like the health worker, like Brand suggested, or maybe like a security guard, then you get fined. I don't know. All right. Well, I just, oh, Brandon, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say restraining orders, you know, throw the whole whole book at for compliance. But I mean, like, you know, when I was working at an Amazon warehouse earlier last year, like, you know, they they kind of, which is weird, weird, and they always say, you're like our first customers, <laughs> which is true. They make sure we don't steal anything on the way out of the warehouse. Right. Um, but they have, they have, um, they always had someone walk around uh, like a safety. It's, his job was safety, I think, but um, to make sure people were wearing masks. But then they also had HR folks walk around, make sure that people were wearing their mask appropriately. Sir, you need to put your mask above your nose. Sir, you're not wearing your mask. <laughs> Why are you, do you not have a mask on? I mean, um, that's the kind of model that you that you can have, um, I can at least sort of have in a, in a grocery store. True, though, we were employees, so you know that that there was more there was more leverage there in that sense. But um, uh, you we there has to that's probably the issue we're seeing with businesses and customers and with customer compliance. Well, in and to those who say, oh, it's, you know, too much money for businesses. Well, I don't agree with that because even in an Amazon warehouse setting that Brandon was talking about, if you don't do that and somebody gets sick, you'll lose them for two weeks. And, you know, you talk about the impact that has on your health care. One, you don't have that employee there. Two, there's a lot of companies out there who will say, hey, we will pay your salary if you're out from COVID. Well, that's cost of business money. Uh, if you say you don't, maybe you'll lose a worker over that. So it's well worth it for companies to have that, either a compliance officer, HR, both. You have to. Sorry, that's the situation we're in right now. And I even think after this COVID starts to go away, I think there'll be a lot of instances where it might be smart for us to wear a mask. I mean, maybe not 24 hours a day, but there may be places that would be good to wear a mask. So 
Hey, uh, there are a couple other things I wanted to briefly touch on before uh, we end for the day. Um, we always like talking food. I'm reluctant to bring this up because this just looks awful. But tell me what you think about this. Let me pull up the picture. Are either one of you guys Slim Jim fans? No. Brandon. Uh, Not, I won't die for one. You won't die for <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a food guy, but I'm, I'm not sure what, what food things are, I would die for. But, um, yeah, these are Sonic Chili Cheese Coney flavored Slim Jims. And I'm sorry, I'm not a hot dog guy. I, I just, I, I don't like the taste. I don't like Slim Jims. There's nothing I like about this. Why are we doing this? Well, seems clear that there's a market for it, I guess. I mean, um, clearly they didn't market this for us, but uh, I would venture to guess that they just there's there's some sort of a desire to have that flavor in Slim Jims, I guess. I don't know. Brandon, are you a fan of Sonic? I haven't really gone to a Sonic in a long time, probably, so I'll, I'll say no. You think... You think this will drive more people to Sonic? Because apparently Sonic is the place to go to get these things. Hmm. Jeez, um, two brands that, you know, I don't know if anyone's craving a Slim Jim enough to go to get the Sonic version. Right. And, and they'll be available in convenience stores and retail. So it's not just Sonic, but they're Sonic-based. I, I, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, Craig's right. There's got to be some type of a market. There's got to be some type of meeting or a poll that they did where people said, hey, this might work. But I, I think we're trying too hard here. I, I, just because something sounds like a good idea doesn't mean that you have to do it, you know? Yeah, this is a – I mean, I don't I don't mind Sonic at all, but it's certainly not the first place you think of, or at least the first place I think of when I think of going out to a restaurant. But uh, – yeah, I mean there there has to be some sort of a you know interest in this and or maybe they think they'll spark interest with this partnership and maybe they'll think, you know, hey, this is this is a match made in heaven and everybody's gonna come go get it. I mean that that could happen, but you know, it just this isn't for us, I guess. I don't know. It's not for me. I'm not a Slim Jim fan and I'm not really a a Sonic Coney fan as well. So yeah. I'll bring it up. Yeah, no, no, I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, Brandon, I'm not a protest guy, but and I don't think you're a huge protest guy either. But do you, maybe you and I should go around and start protesting these bad food ideas. You know, like we go to Sonic and we hold, don't do this, Slim Jim Coney's. <laughs> are, are you in with me? Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm thinking too many bad puns on this that I'll get. Yes, out. definitely. Well, I, but I guess what I'm saying is, you know, Craig's right. There's got to be some marketing meeting where 10 people are like, dang, this sounds like a great idea. And Sonic are all high five each other like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so we have to fight back. We have to start protesting these things so they can show video of us on YouTube when they have that marketing meeting going, hey, this podcast crew is protesting. So we got to stop this idea. Uh, Maybe it's not protest worthy, but maybe Separate just. Trudeau. Sorry, Greg. I was just no, maybe just don't buy it, and maybe just don't buy it, and hope no one else does, and maybe it'll just move on with the next uh, whatever. I mean, I'm assuming that Slim Jim has a variety of flavors, and uh, 
and, and maybe this is just the newest one they're trying to capitalize on. But yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, it's not a weird combo. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe the company combination is weird, I guess. In our upcoming interview podcast with uh, Tyler Buchanan on Monday, uh, we were talking about how, what was the idea of the protest? Like, we didn't get a unified answer. Uh, Tyler was down to protest on Sunday. And he was like, I'm not quite sure what they were protesting. There wasn't a, any unified thing. What if they were protesting the Slim Jim at the Ohio State House? Would that have sent a powerful message? I guess you got to stand on, you got to stand your ground on something. And maybe, maybe this would be it. I don't know. I mean, yeah. From what I'm looking at, they have dozens of flavors. Um, I'm not yeah. really sure that. I, I don't really eat Slim Jims. I've I've maybe had one Slim Jim my whole life. Um, it just I'm not a I'm not a meat on this I'm not a meat stick kind of guy. I guess I don't know. I just it never seems appetizing. You say, do you want a meat stick? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely, that's true. <laughs> oh boy, um, Brandon, if we ever start doing show titles again like we used to, I'm not a meat stick kind of guy. Could do that for you. <laughs> That'll be great. That's one of those. That's one of those. You know, if we if this was a uh, you know a, an article we were writing, we'd pull quote that maybe and uh, try to highlight it a little bit and maybe get that out. You know, on the, before the jump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you writing that down for today? Are we going to do a Slim Jim story maybe for Jeanette? Uh, I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It'll be during our marketing meeting. It'll be great. Um, my my fa my favorite show title, Brandon. I got to tell you was a uh, one that you came up with when. Uh, we were talking about one of Julie Andrews' movies, and uh, you had a quip about knock a half star off for the racism, and it was great. It, it landed as a show title. It was one of my favorite show titles of all time. So very good. What was it again? Uh, knock a star off for the racism or something. Because we were talking about that Julie Andrews movie that was really weird that ended up with um, Chinese guys being the bad guys and everything. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a great line. We used the show title; it was wonderful. So, hey, I wanted to talk about this real quick, and we could touch about the uh, touch more about this next week. But I was fascinated by this. We, we were briefly talking the other day about is it me? We is that how we say this? It looks like how it. I pronounced it. <laughs> okay. It, well, I wanted to show you. I I set up an account, and again, I'm not into the politics of it. I'm just, you know, I'm a social media guy for, you know, work, and I'm, I'm sitting here going, hey, is there something that would work? Is there something that we should try? Is it something that maybe we should set up company accounts for? And I, I got to tell you, I, I, have you guys seen MeWe? I'm not, I'm not that impressed by this so far. Have you I've guys never, seen... never heard of it. All right. Well, let me see if I can bring the screen up a little <laughs> bit more. Um, you, you know, so I signed for an account. It says, hey... Why don't you, um, you know, why don't you connect with some friends? So I connected with friends, and the only guy on my uh, timeline is this Mark Williamson or Weinstein. I, I think he's the CEO. Of yeah, he's the, yeah, he's the CEO. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's the only guy on my timeline. So how is this a good social network if nobody's posting on it? Have you made friends with someone? Well, when I signed up and said, uh, go for your Google contacts. You want to invite people. So I said, sure. And they're like, congratulations. You're not connected with 14 people. So I don't know if it's like Facebook where you say, 
will you be my friend? And if they accept, you get to see them. Or if it's more like Twitter, where you just follow people. Mm. Have you heard about this? I am not familiar with it. So, I mean, maybe you need to, like, join uh, the revolution or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this it seems like this was uh, started off to... Uh, to appease people who wanted to join the uh, the revolution on the Capitol and maybe talk about some of their their feelings or something. I, I don't know. It just seems very odd. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to avoid this one unless unless I have to for work or something. Well, I, I'm not in. Like we talked about this the other day. The more social networks you have, it's kind of silly because, in my opinion, a social network would be, hey, if I want to make an announcement, like if there's a family announcement or if I want to share something I'm doing at work, put something out where a lot of people can see it. But if we all have our own little segmented social media sites, does that mean if I want to share, hey, I got a new job or something, that I have to post on 50 different accounts because we all have our own social media networks? That sucks. I, mean, I don't like that part of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine a whole lot of... I mean, I guess they've had some growth here with this app, but mm, I don't know. It seems like it's going to be shut down because of some of their... Um, the terms of service prohibits users from posting content that's hateful, threatening, harmful, incites violence. Well, I think... Isn't that why people got, got on Parler so they didn't have to be shut down? So maybe this won't get shut down, but maybe it won't be used for what people think it's going to be used for at this point. Well, there's a lot of concern... Oh, sorry, Brian. No, go ahead, Chris. Well, I was just saying there was a lot of conservative people who are, who are joining it. And like on Facebook, I'm saying, oh, we're tired of Facebook censorship, so we're going to me, we. Uh, I, I don't know if it's as right-leaning as much. I, I just, it's like Parler. I, I set up a Parler account. Not that I want to, you know, share right-wing views or anything. It was just more saying, how does it work? And will people click on my stuff if I post stuff on there? And I wasn't even seeing anybody post there. And the people posting there were more like Hannity and Tucker Carlson and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, we talk politics, but I want to hear about other stuff. I don't know. Uh, Brandon, what were you going to say? Well, I think it's not just like, you know, no one's getting a me way. I want to incite a revolution. Um I think it's more like also just being able to, you know, talk about their skepticism of COVID claims probably and um, election results too with the last presidential election. I mean, without it all being, you know, restricted. Um, and I think that's like, and that's the issue. It speaks more to the issue of our times, you know, what, what is considered opinion and what is considered fact. Um, and people are saying, Oh, that's the, these kind of people go to gravitate me. We were like, we have these opinions about what the facts really are. And, and then we're at this point now where we're like, yeah, but they, they, you're, they're not facts. They're like, I don't know. Like you're, you can disagree with the, the facts, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, we live in a post-truth world for, for all, for all, for all intents and purposes. So, um, Actually, I know someone who did go to MeWe, I think. They put an announcement saying, I'm deleting Facebook. It's taken a while, though. And I'm just like, you know, if you want to go to a place where you're going to put out your content for a, for like-minded people, um, you know, I don't know, just leaving a mainstream network, by all means, I guess. It's kind of sad. I liked, I liked always sharing my contact or post uh, on Facebook just so at least you could disagree with it. You could hate it, but at least um, – 
you're aware of it. I think that's at least you know you don't have to like the like the news, but at least you should be aware of it. Is my 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 uh, my stance. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm trying to. Well, well, here's what we're going to do. We'll end this this way. I am making a post now. I don't think I'm connected with anybody, so I'm I'm not guaranteeing this is going to get a lot of response. But let's look at it next week. I'm saying check out the Hollywood podcast. We're trying to figure out me, me, we. We don't get it. Help us out. I got a link to our podcast. So I am posting. Holy crap. It's my first me, we post. (laughs) So uh, let's check on it. Let's see. I mean, we call that me, we. So hopefully we'll get, maybe we'll get some type of response. The New York Times is going to come out with an article in the future saying Ohio and podcast, uh, uh, this inspires right wing <laughs> activists, you know. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll be very upset with you. <laughs> we, we will see how many right wing people are, are fans of the podcast. I don't know, it'd be a good test. Um, yeah, I the interface is kind of Facebooky, I guess, which isn't bad. I, I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm looking up, I guess you can create pages. But if I don't know anybody on it, like how do I know that page is going to get a lot of connection? You know, I, I don't know. Let's just stick with one social network. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm all for capitalism, but this is just being more convoluted and confusing, and I don't think it helps. Chris, where were you when we were on MySpace and then Facebook came out? Yeah. <laughs> we just spoken out there for MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we got something. I, I think MySpace still is around for bands, right? It's like in a weird, you know, it's still around in a weird way, I think, from my understanding. But, um, geez, I'm talking about old MySpace. Like the new one doesn't. Oh, be, yeah. All the new one. Were, were you picking like, your top 10 friends and everything? Whoa, that was. Tom just wanted to be your friend, okay? The guy who owned <laughs> it, I guess. He just wanted to be well, our friend. Well, and I'm wondering. Great. Is Mark Weinstein or Stein? I don't know how to say his name. Is that the Tom of MeWe? Does I just signed up for MeWe? I'm trying to figure out how to connect with anybody, and I don't have any connections other than Mark Weinstein, who apparently posts every five seconds about how great MeWe is. <laughs> yeah, it looks I, like it's going to be a maybe he's swindling people to get friends or something. I don't know. Yeah, that Mark Weinstein. I'll tell you what, a jerk. Uh, well, well, we'll see. Again, I'm, I don't count me to spend a lot of time on MeWe. Don't count me to ever post on Facebook. I'm leaving Facebook for MeWe, but let's see. Let's see if we get any interaction on MeWe. I don't know. It's fun to kind of make fun of social networks. It's all good. So, all right. Well, that was the Ohio podcast for today. Um, thank you for all the people who are listening in. Like I was telling these guys earlier, our podcast history about Kroger must have stuck a nerve because I got a lot of growth from that. And thank you for checking us out. Hey, if you checked us out, let us know what you think and let us know what drove you to the podcast. We are uh, every day, Monday through Friday, we got podcasts where we talk about Ohio stuff and stuff that matters to the Ohioans. That's why we call it the Ohioan. Uh, we have interview podcasts about a lot of Ohio stuff too. Um, again, check us out, share us with your friends. Anything you guys want to throw in before we close? No, I think we covered it all. Fantastic. Well, we'll see you next Monday. Have a great day, everybody.